Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. My name is Ross LeCain. I've got a very special guest with me, a, a, a long serving mortgage choice franchisee, uh, Nathan Newham. He's got two franchises, one in Hornsby and one in DY. Uh, you know, multiple high flyer, which means in the top, consistently in the top 12 franchises with mortgage choice, with his business partner, Ryan. Uh, you know, they've run numerous excellent business awards within Mortgage Choice and uh, were recently named the most compliant. So for, for a business to be in the top 12 and most compliant normally doesn't happen. So we'll talk to you a little bit about that, um, Nathan. So uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Ross, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for the invite. No worries. What I'd love to start with in terms of get a little bit about your journey, sort of, you know, how did you get started? How did you um, come to be with uh, Mortgage Choice at Hornsby and DY? Yeah, well, it's a long time ago now, but I was, uh, uh, I was an engineer by trade. So I, I went to, um, you know, one of school, I became a mechanical engineer and I was working in the construction industry for, since, you know, probably between the ages of 20 and I got to about 30 and I just thought, you know, I've got another 30 years of this and I didn't really have a passion for that. Um, I was good with numbers. I had, I had a bit of a grasp on property. So I decided to look elsewhere. So I spent a bit of time um, sort of working out my next move, uh, researched um, franchise opportunities. My job when when I was uh, basically an engineer, I went project management and I was really just dealing with companies, trying to make them work as best they could within our business, uh, all our subcontractors. So I had a bit of an idea of what made a business work and what, what, you know, what the challenges were. So I sort of thought, you know, I could probably give that a crack. Mm. And, um, but I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I didn't want to go into something where I had to sort of start fresh. So I thought a franchise would work okay. And when I looked at start looking at franchises, I was drawn to um, the broking industry. It was very new at that stage. It was quite young. Um, and uh, at the time, uh, there was only really a handful to get into. You know, there was the Mall's Choice group, Aussie, a few others. Um, yeah, and basically landed at uh, the Mall's Choice group. And uh, I, I liked the management team. Um, found that uh, the regions that they had on offer at the time sort of worked okay for me. And uh, yeah, took the punt on the first franchise in, it was around 2000, 2001, because my previous role, I was working in, um, in the construction, I was actually involved in the, in the Olympic Games, getting some of their sites up and running. And uh, I actually spent the Olympics overseas. So I went over to Europe. <clears throat> Spent a few months just basically missed out, mate. I've been I've been working at Homebush for five or six years, and that was the last place I went. <laughs> I got out of here. I went over and um, went overseas for a couple of months, just on around. And that's where actually I started the, the conversations 
with the other groups just to see what I was going to do. And then she, um, when I came back, I was ready to, you know, ready to take the punt. And uh, so I was lucky my wife was working in a, um, in a role overseas and she was traveling a lot. I didn't need um, income straight away. I, I was in a, you know, I've been with my company for 10 years. So, you know, we're in a position where I could actually put the money out of the, I guess out of the, wasn't the focus. It wasn't the so, focus. So tell me about the transition. You're an engineer, you're used to working in construction, you, you know, working in the sort of the Olympic park and building, you know, um, you know, massive development type things yeah. and then coming into a totally different industry um, obviously had good yeah. funds behind you but what were those sort of what do you remember back then 20 years ago in terms of some of the challenges that you faced in terms of coming into the mortgage industry well it's going to sound like for a lot of the new brokers they're going to hate this but it was dealing with all the leads back then because 2000, 2001, I mean, Sydney was going through a bit of a boom, you know, the property market was going crazy. Uh, there'd been some uh, media hype around the broking group, broking industry, you know, that there was uh, this new way of getting loans. Um, so for me, it was just trying to, I guess, get enough. I was confident in that from a sales process side of it and the process that I could I could work that out, you got to learn product, you know, and you got to learn, I guess, the intricacies of, of the actual industry. So that was that was the challenge. The challenge was coming from a numbers background in a different industry and trying to make that work in the new one. Mm. And you know, it didn't take it didn't take a huge amount of time. I, I really lent on the mortgage choice group then because they were you know they're a, a great resource and they were at the time probably uh they were built around getting people out of industry because the industry didn't really exist so you know their, their training was really good uh their people uh they were there they were growing at quite a rapid rate as well so so the challenge was you know it was uh it was really just trying to manage the lead flow. Uh, yeah. yeah, I started with Wizard at a similar time. You know, I think I did a training course at probably around the same time and we used to have the calculator and we used to show yeah. people, the, you know, the extra payments and how it worked and back on the, you know. Um, so I'm sure you were probably the same, you know, back, back then we didn't have... You know, talking about technology, but in a lot of ways back then it was a lot easier, wasn't it? You know, we just come back, put it on the old fax machine, and uh, and, and get the approval. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, it was filing cabinets. It was uh, yeah. to carry around a box, um, one of those openable boxes which had all the little sections, and it had all the bank applications in it. You know, yeah. so and it was all about going out seeing applicants at night or during their lunch hour. And it was uh, yeah, very, very, very different. And uh, I mean, I, I guess if you look at what we're doing today, it's the challenges are very different, but they're still very, very real. In the you know from a you know from what we're walking into with bid, from what we're walking into with um, uh, just you know I guess having to do remote work, you know these sorts of things. And, and, and even though technology helps us, it also 
creates other challenges that we need to get past. But yeah, it was a bit easier back then. It was the photocopying, it was the fax machines. It was, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're not driving around, you know, in terms of doing those appointments and we're, we're doing a lot more of this, right? Doing a lot more on Zoom and selling via, you know, these sorts of platforms. And yeah. as you say, you know, has created a need to really, they're saying that, you know, being able to use like digital platforms like Zoom now is the new fancy suit. Like you're set up how well you can present, how well you use your iPad. And you say you used to have the sort of compendium with all the sort of brochures and all the, the bank details. And I remember that personally. Now sort of your compendium is, you know, online. It's built into your presentation. It's built into your sales models in terms of how well you actually can sell using a totally different medium. So I think 2020 has changed a lot of things. And as you said, in terms of with bid coming in, in terms of the detailed conversations and, you know, we've, we've gone the last 20 years where we haven't had to, you know, show what we know. We're now we're moving into, we really have to, you know, show what we know we've always done it that way but now it's yeah we really have to show it don't we i think so yeah look i think the it's your price it's your sales process i think that's you know ultimately you really have to refine that now because there are certain key milestones that you hit during that doing that during that journey you have with that client that you need to have um it just needs to be much more refined so, uh, so yeah, look, definitely the, and that's, you know, that's one of the, one of the reasons which I think I like being part of a big group, you know, is that, is that we're continually sharing ideas with other, you know, with our peers, we can, um, we can sort of share those, uh, I guess, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, look, we've got a few brokers in the office here and it's quite interesting, even we have a very refined process. We have a structure, you know, that, the journey, this is what we talk about. This is when we present certain things, we've got a financial planning arm, so. Can we, can I unpack that a little bit? I'd love to hear and um, share, because I think, you know, it's something that I teach in my programs and with my one-on-one -on -one clients that, you know, everything is a process and, you know, sales is definitely a process. And, you know, for, for the newer brokers and, you know, some of the existing brokers don't understand that. They just sort of go through and sort of wing it, if you will. Um, but for the top performers like yourselves, you know, I love that you, you're saying that it's a process. So I'd love to unpack in terms of your process a little bit and what you chat around your team members in terms of, you know, a little bit more granular around what that process looks like for you. Yeah, okay. Well, I think the, uh, I think what I want to say first thing is that we are salespeople. We are technical salespeople. That's what we are. You know, that's how we view ourselves here. So, so we are effectively here to sell products um, but we do it in a way we sort of obviously have to be as educated as we can be to make uh, to make our client confident and comfortable so so that's the first thing the first thing is we really need to acknowledge that acknowledge the fact that ultimately we're in a sales business so our process here is 
over the last, when we've had our real growth, if we look back, say, the last five years, that's where we've really seen our, our growth uh, higher than normal. You know, we're relatively, we haven't, we're not an overnight success. You know, we started just with me in the fourth bedroom, you know, with a desk and a fax machine. So we've every year tried to, I guess, change and adapt. And part of that is understanding that ultimately, you know, we, we've got to get out of our own way sometimes and we're just salesmen. So we've come to the conclusion over the last, say, four or five years that the less the broker does as an administrator, the better. Okay, which is probably, you know, you're probably an advocate of that as well. But before, I think that's the big message to brokers is that if you're good at selling, you've got to remove all that other work. You've got to remove as much admin as possible. And that's at the start as well. It's at the start, it's at the middle, it's at the end. So, so we here, what we do is basically when the lead comes in, effectively the broker is still the face of the business. So we are the client contact. We're the ones who get the referrals and we're the ones who get the repeat business and all that sort of stuff. So we have to have a nice warm introduction. You know, we have a system where as soon as we get a new name and number, we have a brief conversation with them, then it's handed over to other staff. You know, to say, okay, great, we need to have this person in our database now, start the process. So a fact finder sent across, you know, we have specific templates that get sent out with that. We introduce the whole team straight away. So I love that. I love that. So many brokers are scared of, you know, I can't give it to someone else. I can't introduce the whole team because, you know, no one can do it better than I. And they, they hold on to, you know, the client and it means that they never, you know, throughout that whole process, there's never that handover point. So I love you introduce your team up. Front. Straight away. So, yeah. We do it straight away. So we set the expectation straight away that, yeah, you've called me there's a chance that someone else is going to call you about something else pretty soon. You know, so we have, we have the team, we have the team names, we have their, and we have their roles. So people know straight away that there's other people who are going to touch, touch them through that journey as well. So we do that. Uh, that goes to the client. Then we start getting that data in. We've got offshore processing. We've got also got onshore. You know, so we've got a mixture of both. Everyone has very, very defined roles. So when that data comes in, we've got a particular person who handles that data. So they create the scenario in our system. They create, the, you know, the drive folder. They name everything in accordance with what, what, how we want that name and file it. So I don't touch the deal until we've got enough of that data. Okay, and so. I think that's, you know, for those offshore people and for people that don't have offshore staff, I think those types of roles that you're talking about that are very systemized and process roles where they can just follow the bouncing ball, they're perfect things, especially in that front end to outsource because, you know, if you can give them a task list and, and something to follow, uh, yep. And a format, they do it very, very well. I would say probably better than <laughs> people onshore, right? Yep. But get them to think outside that box, then you're going to have a struggle, right? Absolutely. Yeah. One of the best things we ever did. And on that note, I will also say it takes time. That 
takes time. There's a transition process involved in working with people offshore, and that's cultural. That is, you know, there's a bunch of different things there, but that takes time. I've seen a lot of people jump into it and expect it to happen straight away. It does not happen straight away. It takes time. And our process is pretty good. And what, what we end up doing with our first offshore staff, because they're not always busy as well, all right? So we had our first, offshore, um, our first offshore staff member, he was in charge of packing deals up, basically. So we hand over a deal, he gets everything, a fine line, all those sorts of things, puts it together, creates what we call the SP, the signature pack, sends it across. Then he puts the, what we call the LF, the loan file together, when those documents come back. Now, he wasn't busy eight hours a day. And this is in the early days, because hmm. we still held on to a lot of things here, because we were just, you know, we didn't want to do, we didn't want him to have to do everything. So in the downtime, we got him to work on a personal manual, a manual that he created for himself. And the reason with that was because we knew that there would be, if it went well, we'd want another person. And we wanted him to manage that person. So what we did is we said, right, this is, this is the topics we want you to cover, but we want you to create your own staff manual there. So and it really empowered him to think, well, okay, I'm not just here as a, as a processor. I'm going to be here as a team leader. Now, so we empowered him to say, right, that's what we want you to do. When you get quiet times, because we send them, we get them to send to a task list every morning about what, what they need to do. When there, are, when there is quiet time, he works on that manual. And the reason he did that is that when the other person came in, we had, a, we had something there as a, in black and white that that person could adhere to. So thanks time. It took really probably 12 months until we were confident enough. We would, you know, before that, we were checking everything. We were, you know, when it was done, we'd go in, jump in, have a look at it. Yep, no worries, send it off. But it took about 12 months until we were comfortable. And then not long after that is where we said, great, let's get another one. And there'll become a time soon where we'll do another So what one. were some of the high level topics in this manual that he was creating, just to give um, you know, the listeners a feel for what, what were the, some of the sort of things that he was researching and putting together when, when in, in that particular manual? Like again, high level topics in terms comes of- back to, Comes back to their task driven. Okay. Comes back to task driven, right? So we wanted him to be a champion of documents because that's what he was dealing with, champion of loan costs. So we wanted to say, we said to him, we want you to be the expert. We want you to teach us. We want you to tell us. So if we to put a deal into a particular lender, I don't want to have to continually think about as a broker what what are the exact documents I need. I don't want to do that because this is this is coming back to our, our ethos now is to remove as much work from the broker as possible. So we wanted him to be effectively gave him the title. We want you to be the champion of those tasks. So, so for him, it was each lender. So, you know, like a, a section of the manual for each lender and a workflow for each of them, what documents required. If he come across something which is unusual, he would put it in the manual. He would update that manual. So he continually updates it with data and information to make the application process smooth. Because the last thing we want, if we, want, we don't want applications bouncing backwards and forward. Mm. There's nothing more frustrating for a broker or even for an office, you know, of deals that take too long. So we want the deals to move 
move through as quick as possible. So he created this, this manual yeah. and it was a technical manual. So that person could go in, they could go into, they know what their responsibilities were and they know each lender requires these things. These are the niches in there that we need to be aware of. Just so when he created that folder, because also, you know, every lender is a little different and every lender is a little different. We can't just, you know, we can't just assume they all want the same thing. So, so really that is what it was about. It was about understanding their role in our business and for them to work out what best works for them. Now, when we, we, we obviously have weekly catch-ups and <clears throat> they're telling us how to make things better which is great. We love that. We love it when we, so we, we tell them, if you think as part of this process, which can either speed things up, make your life easier, tell us and we'll adapt to that. So it's been a real win. Um, takes time, but when it's done, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And, you know, and there's obviously the, the other added benefit is that obviously there's a lot of loyalty that you get from employing them over there because they love working for, you know, companies like us. And they're great value. I mean, let's not, you know, let's not ignore that fact is that the value you get, um, the cost benefit is pretty significant. Definitely. So you've got them in predominantly um, non-customer facing roles at this point? Correct, yeah. So we've got two, two staff members there who work. Um, they work, so what happens is the broker, uh, when we get back into the deal, we write the deal up, do the notes, and effectively, as soon as it's ready, as soon as it's ready, and we were able to close that deal off, the notes, it gets sent across. Uh, we have a handover template, gets sent to them. Uh, they take over. They take it from there to through to submission. Okay, so when it's submitted, BLF is submitted, it's vaulted, all those sorts of things that take time and the administrative things that the brokers are really bad at. Um, then we have an onshore post, uh, a tracker, for one of a better word, who tracks it through from uh, submission through settlement. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. And then with the brokers in sort of the, let's go back to the broker role, right? So your, you, you guys role as the broker. So what's your, what's your role and what, what are the, where do you sort of chime in, in, in that process? Broker? Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, obviously we're still heavily involved, you know, we're not, we're not removed from it altogether. So we see the deal, we can see the deal going. We see all the back channel messages flying around and it's been submitted. We're still the point of contact as well through that application process. So even though updates are going to them uh, from the office, uh, if a phone call has to be made, we'll generally make it. Uh, you know, so a conditional approval, a full approval, those sorts of things. So we're still we're still involved. Uh, if there's a issue. Um, you know, with the lender, let's say they come back and there's a servicing issue or there's a question regarding living expenses, whatever, we will generally be involved at some level, even if it's just from a uh, consultative level, you know, as answering the question. But then, then if it's already been submitted, 
then our, our, our tracker will generally fix those issues. Um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you get one of those deals where there's self-employed multiple entities. There can be a lot of questions. Obviously, the broker is still heavily involved. So, I mean, we're not we're not removed um, from uh, admin. We're still obviously working at our desk all day, but we're doing different things. We're doing different things than we used to do. So now it's more cultivating the business. It's more, you know, it's effectively our roles are to get the deal moving as quick as possible and then move on to the next deal. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. And so you mentioned in terms of really adding value to the client and looking at in terms of your sales process and the conversations that you're having with clients and you've got financial planning arm as well. So how do you sort of, you know, what's your process in terms of the actual appointment to ensure that you're covering everything you need to cover in that sales appointment? Yeah, it's, that's, uh, you know, I think if you ask each of the brokers in this office, we'd all have a probably slightly different answer because mm. I think it all depends also on the journey, like how, how long you've been in the industry for. Mm. Mm. For example, if someone who's been in the industry 20 years, the majority of my stuff is repeat, repeat business or referrals. We don't do any real advertising other than normal online, you know, the social media side of things. And, um, so we don't, you know, most of the calls we're getting are direct. We don't have landlines here. We just have mobiles. Mobiles, yeah. Okay. So we're always getting, we have one office landline, but that's really just for, you know, for our, um, our office manager. Um, but, uh, you know, for example, most of my appointments, uh, if they're referrals, we've got an office here with a boardroom. That's what we have a big screen, you know, so it's an interactive uh, experience. So what I see on my computer, they see as well. So it's a huge TV. Uh, the mortgage store software is really good. Uh, the new software that we've got, so they can see, they can see, I guess, the scenario happening live in front of them. You know, we can do all we need to do, uh, work through numbers, different, you know, different lenders and so forth. So, um, look, ultimately, we try and understand also the client's needs, and that's a big thing. And I know it's a really general, general thing to say, but the client's needs. A different, it's different. Like you, we can have, a, I can have a client walk in here who just wants to, who just wants to be told the best way to do it. They've never done it before. They, they just want to know the process. They want to know, okay, what's the next step? How do I do it? Let's just move. What's my best option? I trust you because you know you did my sister's loan or whatever. Mm. Let's just work out the best way to do it. Then you'll have other people who are, they want to know everything. They want to know, you know, much more detail. They want multiple, instead of two or three options, they might want 10 options, you know. So, so it just depends on their needs. It depends on what they want. It depends on what, make, what makes them comfortable. So, for example, myself and Ryan would be much, my business partner, who we've been in the business much longer, will be much quicker getting a deal through. Because yeah. we know how to get the data. We know how to have the conversation. We know how to read that client just to say, okay, where do they you know, where's the, what do they need from us? Some of the younger brokers, they might be a bit, um, you know, they probably stick to a more of a defined process of, okay, this is what the software tells me. This is what I'm going to put forward. You let me know what you think. And it's just sort of, it, 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 the process itself can be a little more protracted, 
Yeah. Um, but we ultimately, ultimately, we get to you know we get to the same point. Might might take a bit a bit longer. Uh, so look, it, it's a hard question to answer because the, the you know because effectively different brokers, but also you got different clients, and the yeah. client the clients real, we try and we try and make sure we don't we don't treat every client the same. Every client is different. You know, I'll have, I can have a first home buyer who will walk into the office five times a week just because they they they're so nervous and they're so excited and they're so they don't understand this and they don't understand that so we continually walk them through how it works and really give them that comfort we've got other people you might talk to once or twice and just, that's it you don't hear from them again you know so it's just a, it's just a different process we we try and make sure we we have a very similar process for the journey like our journey our administration journey for that client that stays the same that's yeah. the, we don't we don't deviate from that um that's why i think we are as compliant as we are um our, you know our standards here are very high uh, and, and, and yeah, so again, you just got that award in regards to compliance. So what do you think has been the secret to, you know, your success? And obviously, you know, a lot of the most successful businesses quite often, you know, the, the, the less compliant in terms, of, in terms of their business. So what do you think you've done that others haven't that have sort of led to where you are from a compliance point of view? Because at the end of the day, that's the biggest risk in a mortgage broking business yeah. is the compliance. Well, I think we have a very collaborative team and even our office manager, even our Manila staff, we're heavily involved in training. The new updates that come through from Mortgage Choice, stuff that has done, um, uh, the webinars, all that sort of stuff we, it's not just the brokers that do it here, everyone does it. So we're driven by our administrators here on compliance. If it's not compliant, it doesn't move. If we can't vault at the right time, we don't move the submission. So it's very much 100% or nothing. So anything that comes through, which has a, I guess focus on on compliance or regulation, whatever. Everybody is involved. So that, and that what that does is that holds everyone to account. I don't exactly. Because I, yeah. I don't want to be the one. I don't want to be the one who's doing something. You know, from an existing client from years ago. Exactly. Like, oh, don't worry about it. Just ID them. It doesn't work that way. You know. So yeah. And I think, you know, for a lot of brokers who are looking to scale, this, this point is key, right? Because, and I know as a broker doing, you know, top volumes and, and big volumes, your biggest risk in your business, especially when you've been around as long as you guys, Nathan, for 20 years, you've, you've got a sizable loan portfolio, your asset, it's, you know, is tied up in your business, right? So you don't want to risk that for one file. And you've got many people touching that, as you said, you want to get yourself as the broker out as much as possible. But what that does is it relieves reliance on other people to be ensuring that they're following the process because ultimately you wear the responsibility as the broker because your name's on the file, right? So if your name's gonna be on the file, 
what you're saying about training and having those systems and processes and making sure everyone's across that puts that responsibility back on your team. Yeah, no question. And the other thing really is that if it's not a deal, it's not a deal as well. And that's something which I remember learning that a long time ago, early on, when you're new to the industry, you try and make every deal work. And it's stressful. And sometimes deals aren't there. And what it does, you trying to hang on to bad deals. Firstly, bad deals take 10 times longer than good deals. So if it's a bad deal, let it go. Exactly. I'm big on the qualification. A lot, a lot of brokers aren't big on that first 15-minute conversation in, in qualifying, someone, qualifying someone in or out. I'm big on it, right? Because I know that if you say yes to that client, you've got seven to 10 hours worth of processing on that particular file. If you can vet something in 10 minutes and say yes or no, how much time have you actually saved for quality business? Exactly, exactly. And they, that, and that quality business pays more. That's the truth. Quality mm. business pays more. So you, if it's a, Look, it's one of the most it's one of the most important things, but it's hard. It's it's hard for new brokers who are you know each deal is so important to them um, to actually cut that cord. But it's one of the best things I ever learned is that it's not. Oh, I can't remember the last time we did a load off deal because it's just not worth it. It's stressful, and from a compliance perspective, it's a hard thing to get your head around. Is the whole load side of it. So we just made a decision in the office probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. We said, no more. It's a load ox, not ideal. So, so what it does is it's just, it just weight goes off your shoulders. You just move on to the next one. And it's a quality, quality deal. You get it through and then you move on to the next one. You can spend, I mean, especially at the latter stage, you're trying to make a deal work. You can spend so much time and energy and it creates so much stress on that and the thing is the most of the time in the gut you know you know it's more than likely so exactly exactly and in the same on the opposite side if if you know if sometimes you know you know it's a deal and you get the gut feel and you know it's a deal like a lot of things so a great asset position low lvr good cash position but maybe there's one thing that's just not you know, but, and then yes, you would push on that case, but on the cases where there's more than one thing and you're like, yes, I may, or I may not, it's, as I say, from a, from a chances, you're better off to let that go. And I'm the same as you, I've focused on quality business because quality business refers quality business. So, and same as, you know, the, the low doc or the non-conforming stuff, you what you end up getting is more of that because um, like attracts like. Yeah, no, 100%. And also just, you know, if anything is going to go wrong somewhere, it's going to be out of a load off, generally. But it's what I found. It's what I found. It's what, you know, that, that's, uh, that's where you get, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you, you don't get, you don't get a quite, it's not a quality experience. So we just, we just, we just made the decision that, um, you know, it's just not not our thing. So um, I know there's a place for it, and there's a lot of times that uh, it makes sense. But 
it's just not something that we decided to, we decided to focus our energy on the other stuff and it sort of worked out quite well. Yeah, beautiful. And I think, you know, that is the reason why, along with your, obviously your constant change and sort of growing and amending your process and obviously the training and the compliance that you're doing is sort of a testament to you in terms of um, creating that quality business. I'm just interested about your comment that you made in regards to it was really five years ago that your business turned the corner and really um, started to sort of grow and take you to the levels that you was there any particular catalyst for that change at that point? Uh, look, I think the time when we decided to expand our staff numbers, that was the big thing. Um, it was just the time was right, you know, that we could start to, I guess, divest into those areas and put some time and energy and money into that. Um, before, it was, at a, it was at a point where... Uh, I want it to be, I'll say we, myself and Ryan, we have a very similar mindset when it comes to this. We want to be in this, it's a great, it's a great industry and it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a good job. And that's one of the reasons I moved from construction, construction you're dealing with, you know, and you're dealing with angry men day in and day out for, for projects which last two years, you know. So you said, I just thought to myself, man, this is, there's got to be more to it. And, and this, and this stuff. So and we're here, we're dealing with positivity. We're dealing with really, you know, good vibes and we're dealing, we're making, you know, we're making uh, people happy. So, so it's, a, it's sort of the industry where you can, especially with the whole new business income, but also that recurring income, you know, that, that it becomes real, quite meaningful after a while. You know, you start to actually build up significant uh, income streams and you just start to think, well, I wouldn't be doing my clients justice if I didn't actually invest in additional staff to make their journeys better. So, so it was really when we started to get other people involved in our business and it really blew, blew up. You know, it was great. So, you know, the, the whole thing that we used to try, as brokers, we used to try and make contact with our clients individually. And it was just one of those arduous tasks, which just no one looked forward to. And the more you think about it, it doesn't make sense that the broker would do that. And the reason I say that is because if you're looking at a business, you know, the people who run the business don't call, you know, don't call all their clients. It just doesn't make, it just doesn't, like if you want the business to really grow, you got to remove yourself from a lot of those things because you don't want a business reliant on one person. You know, you don't want to rely on a couple of people, a couple of names where they go, oh, we'll speak to Nathan, I'll speak to Ron, I'll speak to whoever. It, that doesn't make a lot of sense because when you get to the point where you hit, you know, you're, you're, you scale up the business, it actually is more important that other people are involved in these things because then you can start to take steps back. You don't want to get to a point where you just hate your job because all you're going to do is make phone calls and just... You know, just continually talk to people all the time, and you know, half the time you're just going to be talking to an answering machine. It doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. So, it was the time when we decided to take a lot of that stuff out. Just, just, just it was, it was wasting time. We weren't working on new deals, um, and give certain responsibilities to other people. So, we have a post settlement um, client care manager here. I guess you call, you call her. And her job every year, she, used, she works about 20 hours a week. 
She's repricing deals for everyone, everybody. So shoot, every month there's a list of names that comes out of our database and it's okay, let's just make sure they're on the, they're on the best rate they can be with their lender. Mm. So she'll reprice it, reprice it, go to the client, say, hey, this is what we've done for you. Rather than just be a phone call from me, mm. saying, hey, is there anything you need from me? We actually do something meaningful where we go, here's your rates. We've been able to get 10 or 15 points off. It's going to happen tomorrow or next week. We're happy with that. But if we're not happy with that, then we can start the conversation as well. We can say, look, this is what your rate is now. It's okay. But if you want something really good, just letting you know, there's these offers on the table as well. So what it does is it's a win-win, you know? So we get a client happy that they've got a reduced rate. And if they decide, well, you know what, you know, this particular bank isn't giving me, I'm loyal to them. They're not showing any loyalty to me. It opens a conversation where we can say, okay, well, what do you think about this? So that's been huge growth. Yeah. We've, turned, we've turned a task, which was a pain, yeah. We really didn't want to do it, but also it was counterproductive. It wasn't, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't the best use of their time because as you say, 50% of the time they're getting voicemail and you know, from a time perspective, you'd rather deal with the ones that, hey, they are interested in looking at a better rate or, and then that opens the conversation to investment properties, cars, renovations, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole annual review process that you're sort of really getting the gold out of it. But the other thing it does, Ross, it was also a task. If someone's coming back doing a top-up, someone wanted a you know a product switch, it used to be something that the broker would go, oh, I have to do this at some point. You sit there and you'd wait until you had a bit of free time and do it. We do none of that now. We've got people who basically do that for us. So it takes all the small transactions, non-productive transactions for us. Obviously, it's productive for the client, not for us. Out. So continually, continue. So you just got to add. You just got to go by the bullet and put staff on who are going to take out those menial admin tasks from new loan stuff, from old loan stuff, anything. Just take it away. Keep the keep the job of the broker raw. So they're only doing certain things. Definitely. I love that. And it's something that I'm constantly preaching about the dollar productive activities. You know, don't be doing the $25 an hour task. If you are as a successful broker and you want to be earning $250 an hour, um, it just doesn't make any sense. So I love that. I love in terms of to scale your business, you've got to leverage. How you leverage is through staff, and, you know, that to me, you know, says it all in terms of why you've been so successful over the last five years. And, you know, obviously with everything else that you've just mentioned. I want to uh, wrap it up, but, you know, a question that I ask most brokers that come on the podcast in terms of looking back uh, on your journey, and it's been a 20-year journey uh, for you, Nathan, what would be your tip for someone sort of coming into the industry that if sort of looking back with 20 years experience that you would sort of uh, tell and, and, and say to them? I think, I think the best tip is it's not a, 
It's not a single isolate. It's not, it's, not, it's not just one job. So I remember I was three or four years in and it was just me. I was just basically working my ass off doing deal after deal after deal, making good money as a single operator, not really having any staff, but looking for people to help me. I went to a conference, one of our conferences, we had annual conferences and I went to one that I remember was Perth and I was sitting there and I was like, I was five years in, probably probably four years in, I can't remember. And I was already feeling burnt out. I was always already thinking, how am I going to maintain this? Uh, how am I going to maintain this trajectory? And also, how am I going to how am I going to grow? And I made the decision then. I need more people in the business. I need a business partner. I need this. I need that. And I walked away from that with a clear goal, and that was okay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. I need people to, because I have weaknesses and I had people to, I needed people to cover those weaknesses. I needed to focus on what I could do well. So it really became, the business became, obviously I was maintaining the business, but also a lot of energy was taken into how do I set this up correctly? So if you want a decent size business, you want a decent size book. And ultimately everything we do is about it's about building that asset is you've got to spend the money. You've got to spend the money. You've got to have people around you who can do what you can't do. So, so we have that, you know, we've empowered, we've had, we have that team now that basically. And I think that's, a, that's a great lesson and a, a great tip and you've got to invest in ahead of growth. I'd say if you can afford half of their salary, they're going to more than pay for itself. Um, and it, it will take time, but it, you know, the rewards are there. And obviously I, I think that's a great lesson. So um, I think everyone knows their weaknesses. I mean, you know, like if you're honest, honest with yourself, you know what you're good at, you know also what you're bad at. So you just gotta, you gotta own it and go, okay, well, if I'm bad at that, let's get someone in who's good at that. And then you start to really even out those peaks and troughs. Um, so, I had to give away, I had to give away money to do it as in, okay, well, I'm good. because when you're a single operator just doing deals, it's just all, you know, you've got money coming in, you've got no one to pay, it's, it's great. But it's a, it's a business, not a job. So if it's a business, you've got to create the, the infrastructure around it to continue to grow. We seek out change here. And that's one of the things we talk about all the time. We seek change. We, we, we're not afraid of it because our industry is continually changing. So we've got to change with it. And if, if anything, we've got to try and change before everyone else does. So continually seek out that change. So you can, you know, we can we can go and keep, keep growth going because at the moment we don't want to have, we don't want to, we don't think adding more brokers is going to keep us growing. We think making our process better is going to keep us growing. And that gives everyone happy because they're earning more money. So that's the plan. And it's about growing your business by that, you know, 15% a year that will keep your book growing, which keeps your asset growing. A lot of people forget that. So I think that's a great point to end on. And uh, you really appreciate your time. There's, you know, success leave clues. And, you know, Nathan, there's no doubt in terms of why you guys are so successful and keep being successful and sort of at the top of the charts in terms of mortgage choice. 
um, because you know what you've said today has has been so valuable, and uh, I've got a lot out of it myself. So um, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of the Billion Dollar Broker um, podcast. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, and if you want to subscribe to the podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. And uh, join us on the Facebook group, The Billion Dollar Broker. And uh, we look forward to having you part of the community because a big part of this is giving so we all grow and we can take broking to the next level. So thanks again, Nathan. No worries, Ross. Thank you. See you, bud. Bye.